Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley, and I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host. Dr. Heidi Horsley. Body, I feel like we're really privileged today because, you know, the Dougie Center is one of the premier centers in the world for um, not only helping people in their local area, but also training different bereavement centers around the world. It's an incredible organization. And we have the head of it on today. You want to introduce her, Heidi? Sure, Mom. And like you said, the Dougie Center is, I think, the number one grief center for children in the world, definitely. And I send so many people there that are grieving and want information about how to help their children because they have so many resources. It is a clearinghouse for everything you've ever wanted to know about how to help bereaved families and children. And today we're going to be talking just about that helping brief kids and families. And we have the executive director from the Dougie Center here with us today. And her name is Brennan Wood. And she was only 12 years old when her mother died. And so she kind of grew up in the Dougie Center. Mm-hmm. She understands why it's helpful, what helped her and her family after her mom's death. And today she is the executive director of the Dougie Center, which as you said, is the National Grief Center for Children and Families. She is the author of the book, a kid's book about grief. And she is on the board of directors for the National Alliance for Children's Grief. She was the 2020 Light Fire Award Extraordinary Executive Director. And in 2022, the Women of Influence Award recipient. So welcome to the show, Brennan. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's lovely to get a chance to talk with you both. You know, it's it's so great to have you on and to have you in the position you are because, you know, you not only walk the talk, but you've walked the walk. I know that there's so many people that are listening now that are wondering uh, if they've had a loss and wondering about children and what will happen to them and are they going to be okay? And what a great example uh, you are that they're going to be okay. You right. know, you can still go on and, and do amazing things. Yeah. But I wanted to get right to it. What what did you need when you were 12 and your mom died? And how did you come to the Dougie Center? Yeah, I'm happy to talk about that because I do think that there um, still to this day is such a misunderstanding about what kids actually need when something like this happens, right? And so for me and my family, my mom um, died when she was 36 years old in 1987. And she died three days after my 12th birthday. Was it a long-term illness or uh, uh, sudden? So she had cancer, she had breast cancer. And so for a lot of people that might feel like a a longer term illness, for me, it felt very sudden because we didn't talk about it in my family at all. So I knew my mom was sick. I knew she had cancer. Um, But, you know, unfortunately in the eighties and, you know, with who my parents were, my, my mom was a bright sider. She just as my dad said, after she died, she couldn't imagine anything but a happy ending. And so Mm. 
she never talked to us about her impending death. I had no idea that she was going. And so, yeah, we never had a conversation as a family. I mean, to the extent that I literally never once talked to my mom about her being sick. Um, so did you, did you notice that she was or not, or, or was she so optimistic? You didn't really notice. I noticed. So she was diagnosed with breast cancer and she had um, treatment um, mm-hmm. and then it came back. And for the whole time when she first had the treatment and until it came back and it came back really, um, you know, it, it was all over by the time you know, all over her body by the time that it came back. And so that period of time, you know, in my mind, it was like three months. I don't know how long it really was. Um, Mm -hmm. But if I look back, I think there were probably three months, maybe four or five months where she was really sick. And I I remember thinking, you know, please don't let my mom die. Right. Like I remember kind of having those thoughts but not really ever having any conversations with adults at all about it. My older brother and sister were the ones who told me my mom had cancer. Um, When my mom died, uh, I was 12, as I mentioned, my sister was 15 and my brother was 17. And they were my kind of, they were the ones that were talking to me. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and, and I, it's hard because they didn't do it right. Right. What I know now is they didn't do it right, but they were also, you know, 34 and 36 when she was diagnosed, that was mm-hmm. in the 80s, they weren't getting the support they needed, right? And so I know that they did the best they could. It also didn't happen to be enough for me in that moment, right? I needed more, I needed more support, I needed more communication. Um, what I wish I could, you know, I, I would give anything to have those conversations with my mom now, you know, to say, you know, uh, to talk to her about it. I'm sure she was scared. I'm sure there's so much more support she could have used as well. So in our family, you know, we didn't have the tools to navigate her illness. And then when she died, my dad certainly didn't have the tools to navigate that at all. And what he kind of did was say, okay, so you know, he looked at my brother who was 17 and my sister who was 15 and, and sat us all three of us down and said, you know, I think I did, we did a great job of raising you. You've had a great childhood. So I'm not going to like do the whole dad thing anymore. Well, I was 12. Oh, wow. So I kind of had this vacuum of parental support all of a sudden, you know, and so it it was a double loss because you mm -hmm. lost not only your mother, it sounds like you lost the emotional availability of your father. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And so that really wasn't working well for me. And I remember, I can tell you, I was standing in my kitchen. I remember it. I started having a meltdown with my dad because he was spending a lot of time outside the house, staying Mm -hmm. away for nights at, you know, lots of times, um, just being gone. And I remember he was in the kitchen and I kind of cornered him almost. And I said, this isn't working. Like, I don't know what's going on, but I need help. And he kept saying to me, you're okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And I looked at him and I remember I said, what if I'm not okay, dad, what are you going to do about it? And he said, I heard about this place called the Dougie center. I don't know what they do, but do you want to go? And I said, yes. Wow. I have chills. Don't you? I mean, that was the beginning. That was the beginning. And so, 
you know, I remember first walking into the Dougie Center and, you know, doing kind of the intake process and then being placed into a group. And I would imagine I was 13, 13 and a half, maybe by that time. Um, and it, it was instantly my lifeline because not only did I get to be with other kids my age who'd had a similar experience, but I was experiencing a real void of adult support at that moment. And the Dougie Center model is based on there being a, a high concentration of adults to kids. So we have a, a master's level person who runs each group, but the majority of the adults who work with the kids are trained volunteers. And in my outside world, I was kind of screaming to be heard by my dad. And then also, you know, the other well-intentioned adults in my life, they wanted to be there for me, but they wanted to take my pain away. So they would yeah. say things like, and fix it. Yes, fix it. Don't, I, I, your mom wouldn't want you to be sad. Mm -hmm. You have to keep going. You know, all those things that put pressure be, on a kid and don't, be strong for your dad. Did anyone say that? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so I was hearing all of that. And at Dougie Center, I got to go to this place where the adults sat next to me and said, that sounds really hard. Do you want to tell me more about it? <laughs> now, I wanted to ask you what happened to you at school? What was school like? Did you get yeah. any support there? You know, it's so interesting. I was actually just thinking about this the other day because I was doing some work around some some school stuff and um, someone was asking me like if schools have improved in certain ways. And I, I'm certain that they have in a lot of ways. But I remember in seventh grade, so my mom died uh, two weeks before I started seventh grade and I didn't miss any school. I went right back to school. And I remember a few weeks into school, the school counselor bringing me into her office and saying, um, I heard your mom died. And I said, yes. And she said, when did she die? And I told her and she said, how did she die? And I told her and she didn't say anything. She didn't say, I'm sorry. She didn't say, she just said, okay, you can go. She's the school counselor. Yeah. Ah. yeah. And it was awful. Right. So oh. I, oh, I don't want to talk to these people about it. <laughs> You know, well, she probably saw you as functioning really well. So why would she want to upset you? Yeah. And I think, isn't that true so much with kids that aren't showing it that we mm -hmm. assume that they're doing well, right? Instead of not have them break down. Why would we want to? And let, let's not remind them that they've had a loss. Exactly. Because, <laughs> because we're not thinking about it every day, exactly. right? Exactly. It's yeah. so crazy when people say, well, I don't want to bring it up because I don't want to remind them. It's like, you don't think they're living with it 24 seven? Exactly. Come on. Thinking about it every moment of every day. So, yeah. so Brennan, I'm just wondering, what is the hardest thing about not having a mother mm. at 12 and 13? Oh gosh, there's so many hard things. <laughs> I think, you know, for me, um, you know, I was still so tied to my mother at 12, right? Mm -hmm. I hadn't even gotten into my teenage years where you have that natural pullback, right? I, yeah. I wasn't even there yet. And so for me, my mom was the center of my universe. You know, I mean, she was also happened to be amazing and wonderful and she made each day fun. And, you know, she was just this great person. So there was, um, 
you know, all the natural kind of just this person who is central to our family, central to my life is gone. Um, certainly for me, my dad's reaction was incredibly tough. And, you know, he died when I was 36. And I'm very fortunate that we had a couple of, um, we had a lot of, a lot of kind of repair time that we did together. Um, and certainly I helped was one of the people that helped to care for him as he was dying. And that I felt like I got to say everything I needed to say to him. He got to say everything he needed to say to me. So, so now it feels a lot better, but at the time that was so difficult. Um, you know, definitely before I went to the Dougie center that I was the only kid I knew that had had anything happen. I didn't want to be different. I didn't want, but at the same rate, I also was feeling so different and wanting to like scream at the world. Like how, how is the world continuing to go to turn when Mm -hmm. my world has stopped? Um, you know, friends didn't, understand. I had a couple friends, of course, that were better, better at it than others, but most of my friends didn't understand. So it was, I mean, it's hard to say one thing that was so hard. It, it was all hard. Mm-hmm. You did know? you have a uh, new, did you make any new friends? I found when my son was killed that there were some people who were good grief support that I didn't know before. Yeah, I did through Dougie Center. And that's, mm-hmm. I think, where Dougie Center really came for me. I definitely found new connection around that, um, for sure. And then over the course of my life, I definitely have friends that, you know, I feel like I've been able to be that person for them as well. You know, um, one of my best friends, I think one of the reasons we bonded is when we first met, her mother had very recently died. And She didn't know anybody who had had that experience, you know, really, I don't think. And so she found out what I did and was like, wait, why do you, you know, like, what is this? Tell me more. And so she found out that my mom died and it was an instant connection for us. I was going to say the older you get, the more that you're going to run it, you're running into people that have had parent loss. Even when your dad died, you were young. Yes. I mean, you were in your thirties. Your dad Mm -hmm. wasn't, I'm guessing that old no he died when he was 62 so he was very young when he died as well yeah yeah and I think um you know that was it yeah it was it it was definitely challenging it was definitely tough and at least I feel like with my dad I got to do all the things I wished I could have done with my mom hold you know I held his hand (laughs) I was I sat there with him for him literally sat with him for a month holding his hand, you know, and talking to him and, and all those things that, you know, I, I guess in some ways, I don't know that it would ever be realistic for a 12 year old to be able to do that. Um, but I sure wish in, you know, my magical thinking, I can go back in time and be the 12 year old that could have sat with her and said, you know, I know you're scared and it's okay. (laughs) You know, what are some of the things that we need to do to help family members? Yeah. Well, I think that one thing that I go back to a lot is that this is um, not a six-week thing, right? And grief is not something where you get to check off five boxes, and once you've checked off those five boxes, you're done with it, right? And I think that that's true for all of us, and it's especially true for kids. And some of the um, some of the push to uh, speed 
grief up, especially in kids that, you know, after six months, kids should be over it is, I believe, really false. And so I think that plan on being there for the long term, right? To know that a year, even two years is a is a very small amount of time when it comes to grief and loss. And, you know, it takes two or three years for kids to even kind of, I think, get feel assimilated to some normalcy. And so knowing that it, this is a lifelong journey and process, and there's always going to be times that kids are going to, you know, miss the person who died, want to talk about the person who died, and for really to to give kids the opportunity to express themselves in their own time, in their own way, and to be there to receive that expression, right? So I think kids knowing that there's adults around them who aren't afraid to say the person's name, who will share memories or talk to them at, when the kid is ready um, and to follow a child's lead. I think all of that is so important to help kids to understand that they don't have to end their relationship with the person who died. My mom will always be my mom and she's the only mom I'm ever going to have. Right. And so I'm 47 now and she's still my mom and it's okay that I think about her. I talk about her. I ha still have a relationship with her. And I, you know, I'm sure you, I would imagine feel this way about those in your life, right? That you don't want yeah. to give up on having a relationship with them. And I think a lot of the world wants us to move on. They want us mm -hmm. to forget about it. They want us to be okay, but that's for them because it makes them uncomfortable if we still have feelings or if we talk about memories. How do I know when people are ready to talk about it? Yeah. Well, I think that, so I can tell you an example, which is, um, I, my husband and I adopted our third child after the death of both of her parents, our older two are my wow. stepkids and my husband's biological kids. And, um, when, and Jordan came into our home when she was 10 years old. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that over time, her ability to engage and talk about her parents has totally changed. And in the beginning, if we were at a, a family function, if someone came up to her and talked to her about either one of her parents, it would have made her really uncomfortable. But mm -hmm. but there were people who would say things like, um, I'm thinking of you, I'm here for you, if you ever want to talk, I'm around, or even just, you know, like the people that do show up right? And say, I remember some of my mom's friends that would just call me and say, hey, you want to go grab an ice cream or you want to go what go shopping or any of those things and, and just be there, right? And then I could open up. And over time, I've seen Jordan's ability to open up about it so, so much more clearly. And my, my sister came into town over the holidays and, you know, she just stopped for a minute and said, oh, you remind, you're reminding me of your mom right now because Jordan's mom was our first cousin. Mm -hmm. And she started talking about Jordan's mom, you know, and started sharing memories that I didn't even have because I was young, um, you know, mm -hmm. I was younger than she was. And, um, and it was so neat and so nice for Jordan to hear that. Now, mind you, Jordan's mom died when she was three, her dad died when she was 10. So this was a long, you know, it was 14 years ago that her mom died. Um, but just to have that, right, to 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 keep those 
he keep talking about it to keep those memories alive. She still is navigating all of it and figuring it out. So is there a magic, like once this happens, then a kid is ready to talk about it? No, but I think following a kid's lead and letting a kid know that you are a safe person, that you are someone who's willing to talk about it, who will be there. Um, and, you know, you can even say to a kid like, hey, I don't know if you want to talk about this right now, but I'm I'm a person you can talk to about your mom. I cherish the cards that I received with memories of my mom. And when, when people share with me about my mom, their memories, it means so much to me. And I then know that they're a safe person that I can talk to about my mom. And so, you know, with kids and teenagers, it's like, if you're not afraid to bring the person up, then they know that they don't need to be afraid to bring them up in front of you. I love that idea about sharing your memories as as a, a way to be part of it, don't you, Heidi? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, my mom and I were able to, to tour the Dougie Center several years ago, and yeah. it is so phenomenal. And the thing that I loved about it is that all emotions are okay. Volcano room. It's called <laughs> our, our volcano room. But yes, I mean, kids can express anger, right? You've yeah, got that, you have puppets, you just have, you have a tree that fabulous. memorializes them. I mean, yeah. there's so many ways to express anger and sometimes kids don't want to do it talking. So they want to do it by showing you and you definitely have given them all those, those avenues. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Oftentimes play is kids language, especially little kids before mm -hmm. they have the words to talk about it, right? They can play through it. So we have a music room, we have a theater and dress up room, we have a puppet, uh, puppet theater, as, as you mentioned, we have um, the big energy areas with the volcano room, which is a padded room with nothing but soft stuff in it. So kids can jump off the walls, literally bounce off the walls and not, not get hurt. Um, there's a punching bag hanging in near the volcano room, air, uh, air hockey, foosball, um, basketball, like big energy to get that out. So kids can really express what they're going through. And then also every kid, every time they come to Ducky Center gets the chance to tell their story, their name, their age, who died and how they died. And we do that in our opening circle. And the kids are placed into groups based on age and who died and how they died so that they can be with, you know, it's about 15 or 16 kids in a group and they can be with other kids that have similar experiences. Oftentimes, you know, kids want to talk about important, hard things with other kids their same age. And that opportunity is really what the Ducky Center is based on. Right. And the Ducky Center is in Portland, Oregon. So our website is Dougie.org, D-O-U-G-Y.org. And, and you all mentioned the free resources that we have mm -hmm. on our website, literally hundreds of downloadable tip sheets, activities, um, you know, our podcast, uh, Grief Out Loud is accessed all over the world. Um, you know, we have we have hundreds of resources for folks. Uh, we have a bookstore. Um, and then in, in to contact us, our email is help at Dougie, D-O-U-G-Y dot O-R-G. And of 
course, folks can also call us during our business hours as well. Great. And where do they get your book, a kid's book about grief? So it's available through the Dougie Center's bookstore. I also know that it's available through the publisher, which is a kid's book about. Um, that's the name of the publisher. Brennan, thank you so much for being on and for all the wonderful work you do and that all the great work that Dougie Center does. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely, Brennan. I sing your praises in my class, my, my grief class at Columbia. I go to your site and I show my students because you have invaluable resources and you have, like you said, hundreds of them for anyone that's trying to figure out how to navigate these waters and help children and families after a loss. Yeah. And you are an exemplifier, as my mom and I always say, for someone who has not only survived a very significant death of your mother, but gone on to thrive and to help others. So thank Aww, you so much for you. everything you do. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thanks everybody for joining us on the show today. And Heidi and I always want to remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own and God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.